If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 5, or take out your sermon outline in your bulletin, and on the, on the sermon outline on the back, it's actually very helpful, and I'd like you to have that out, this small white sheet, a little sermon outline on, on the back, is our text for today, and there's also a, a goldenrod sheet. Whenever I print something in goldenrod, that means Pastor John thinks this is very important. He does not want you to leave it on the pews when you leave. He wants you to fold it up, put it in your pocket, take it home, and put it on the refrigerator. So have that out as well. Psalm 5, and it's very interesting. You know, they didn't have verse numbers when the Old Testament was written. That's a new phenomenon. However, especially the Old Testament poetry often came in stanzas, like stanzas in a hymn. And Psalm 5 has five stanzas, great contrasts. Stanzas 1, 3, and 5, words of hope. Stanzas 2 and 4, dreadful indictments against the wickedness of men and of their hearts. Right now I'm just going to read stanzas 1, 3, and 5, and then we'll reference Stanzas 2 and 4. Pay close attention now to the Word of God. Stanza 1. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I will direct my prayer to you. Third stanza. Verse 7, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make your way straight before me. Stanza 5, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. So far the reading of God's word. Some of you are mourning people. You wake up and you say, good morning, Lord. Others of you are less so. You wake up and say, good Lord, morning. Right? Some some people, they wake up and there's a calm, a peace. They greet the rise of the sun. Other people are like my friend Garfield, (laughs) who says, good morning, is a contradiction in terms. It's just hard for Garfield to wake up. It's difficult to get his his heart started. He is the perennial grouch first thing in the morning. Some of you wake up and you say, Good morning, Lord. And others say, Good Lord, morning. But whichever is your temperament, morning comes every day. Morning's coming tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day after that. And what I wish for our church, for every one of us, 
is that we would be, regardless of our physical temperament when we awaken, we would be, each one, people who say, good morning, Lord, when we rise from our pillows as we greet the day. That is my deep desire, and that we meet with the Lord to get tuned in to what, is going, what we're going to face for the day. You know, uh, Channel 61 on cable television out here, Channel 61, News 12, Traffic and Weather, they have the best slogan. What is their slogan? Know before you go. And they're right. If it's going to pour like cats and dogs, rain like cats and dogs, you want to know to take your umbrella. If it's frigid out there, you want your gloves and your scarf. And if the Long Island Expressway westbound is blocked and traffic is at a standstill, don't get on the LIE. Get on the northern state. Know before you go. And what the Bible teaches us again and again is that in the mornings, it is good for the people of God to greet the Lord, to meet with Him, and the spiritual formation of our lives. That's what we've been discussing. If you're our guest here today, we have been discussing spiritual formation. That is, that we want more and more to be like Jesus and to have His life conformed inside of us, transforming us. And one of the ways you do it is by developing rhythms in your day and in your week where you greet and meet and grow in your relationship with the Lord. Does that make sense to you? I hope that it does. We've seen, of course, since the beginning of the summer, Jesus is the perfect example of this, and we studied it, and we studied Seth and Abraham and Joshua and David now. And what we want, friends, is we want to live our lives in rhythm with God, okay? Last week, it was all about focus from Psalm 1. Today, I have three points from Psalm 5, especially the first three verses. And anybody who's been to Young Life or InterVarsity or Campus Crusade or any basic discipleship program has heard these three points. Focus on the Lord daily, early, and intentionally. Okay? Daily, early, intentionally. There was a man who came to our church for a while. He liked to come on Sunday mornings, and he says, Sunday mornings, I get so jazzed. The music is great. I get pointed to Jesus. I learn a little bit about Jesus. But as I took him to lunch, he said, Pastor John, I'm not quite so comfortable with the fact that you're telling me I need to think about Jesus on Mondays. I love it on Sundays, but this Monday through Saturday thing is just too much pressure. I feel too much pressure from you. And I said, I don't want you to feel pressure. I just want Christ to be so attractive to you that He would govern your life Monday through Saturday as well as Sundays. And he said, you know, I'm going to have to find another church. This is just too much for me. And I think if I could speak to him now, what I would say to him is that I think you know 
that honey is sweet, but you've never really tasted honey. That's the great line from Jonathan Edwards, you know. Edwards says, it's one thing to know that honey is sweet, but it's another thing to taste honey. And it's one thing to know that Jesus is great, that Jesus is glorious, that Jesus is kind, that Jesus is gracious. It's one thing to know it, but it's another thing to taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's what David is getting at in this psalm, that every day we would enter into fellowship and we would live our lives in communion with Jesus Christ throughout the day. At the end, in, down in the fifth stanza, in verse 11, he says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. And there's a picture here of a perpetual, continuing relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? That's what I want for you at work, in school, at home, in your neighborhood, day after day. Let them ever sing for joy. Let them ever take refuge in Him. God is not your God on Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday but not your God on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Do you understand what I'm getting at? Mondays, too. That's the first point. We live our lives, and we say, Lord, this life of mine is your life. That's what we said in the Heidelberg Confession. I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you come to the place where you can say that? You know, he doesn't want to just be your Monday, Wednesday, Friday God. Every day is yours. So focus on the Lord daily. But point number two is that we focus on the Lord early. Now, this comes out of verse 3. And David says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I will direct my prayer to you. And David, of course, like all of the kings of the Old Testament, foreshadows Jesus Christ in some way or another. What did we read about Jesus in Mark 1.35? Do you recall? It says of Jesus, Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus loved his communion with God the Father. There was this tasting and seeing that God is good, you see, regular in his his early morning life. Now, um, I'm going to just say it right here. Some of you are tempted to turn me off because you say, Pastor John, this is never going to happen. You know, at least not till my third cup of coffee. All right. We're not legalists around here. There's flexibility in the application of this truth, okay? There's flexibility. But I will give you reasons, good reasons, why I think it's important to greet the Lord as you start the day, early in the day. And the first reason is just because of who he is. The great preacher, Robert Murray McShane, he asks this question of you. 
Who would not rise to greet such glad company? Now listen, I'm like you. I wake up with Al. Al Roker. Al Roker's on the Weather Channel, and from 5.30 to 6.30 he's on, and every once in a while I like to know what's, what the weather's going to be, and, uh, you know, wake up with Al. I understand that. But there is greater company awaiting me than just Al Roker in the mornings. Robert Murray McShane, the great Puritan preacher, who would not rise to meet such glad company? God the Son, Jesus Christ, welcomes you into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, to cover you with His protection, it says in verse 11, to give you His peace, to put His shield over you. And the next reason, is, it was C.S. Lewis gives this to you. Lewis says this, the first order of the day is to push back all the voices of the day. <laughs> you know why? Because there are so many voices, and they don't stop. Mom, 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 mom. They just, they just don't stop. Your boss, your employees, the people around you, the radio, the television, your teachers, your classmates, they just don't stop. So, Lewis says the first order of the day is to push back all the other voices of the day. But for you and for me, I think we pay attention to King David because in verse 1, he says he actually begins his time in the Lord with groaning. He actually begins with groaning. Did you see that? <laughs> and he says, hear my groan, hear my cry. And here's why. Modern psychologists tell us, lots of studies of the brain tell us that our brains continuously span the radar for bad news. That you wake up every morning and your brain is scanning the, sur the surface for bad news. And when bad news, you find some bad news, you lock onto it. Something to be afraid of. People who are your enemy. You're feeling a little paranoia. But you tell me, Pastor John is not paranoia if they really are after you. <laughs> you know? And, and there's fear. We all have fears. We all have problems. We all have groanings, groanings that come inside because the human brain... Listen, we don't need modern psychology to tell us that we have fear scanners in our brains. The Bible acknowledged it thousands of years ago. So what David does is he stands against the fear, the anxiety. We need to teach this to ourselves and to our children. We stand against it, and we seek God's grace and God's peace. We let His holiness wash over us. Every morning. You know, I think, forgive me if I'm wrong, I think Sloan Kettering... Uh, the Great Medical Center has actually opened up a happiness department, the study of happiness. Where does happiness come from? And they talk about uh, cognitive shifts inside your brain, and they're teaching cancer patients. From a secular point of view, 
how to develop some happiness. But you see, how you start your day often sets you off on the misery path or on the joy path. So, is it good Lord morning? Well, maybe, but what should follow that? Good morning, Lord. And you begin to do, I've quoted Jack Miller many times, you begin to do what Jack Miller says, and you preach the gospel to yourself every day. Don't step out of the house without first declaring that the cross of Jesus Christ has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Lord, your favor is on me. You see, what does David say by the time he gets down to verse 11 at the end of the psalm? Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them. There may be people out to get you. I don't know. Maybe there are, but God will spread His protection over you. Good news. He begins with groaning, but by the time He's done, He is exulting, singing for joy for the Lord. Anne Voskamp is a wonderful writer. She lives on a farm way out in Michigan somewhere. She's written a book that is selling by the thousands. It's called, uh, why did I just draw a blank? A Thousand Gifts. And she challenges her readers to take a year and write down a thousand points of gratitude over the course of a year. A thousand things to be thankful for. My wife actually uh, allows her Facebook page to give suggestions. She primes the pump of gratitude and urges people to give three, thanks for three things every morning. And Nina posts them, and it's, it's amazing. She says, it's so good for my soul to begin the day with gratitude in my heart. And we, the Yenchko family, are still in touch with my children's Sunday school, I'm sorry, a kindergarten teacher, Becky Wilson, who taught our family, their kindergarten teacher taught our family to start the day with an attitude of gratitude. Our kids went to a Christian school. Isn't that great? They were taught in kindergarten to begin the day with an attitude of gratitude to God every day. And that's what David does here. I tell you, I can, I'm not condemning anybody who wakes up with anxiety or fear. If, if a psychiatrist were to analyze me, he would say, John, among your many problems is that you have a tendency to be a catastrophic thinker, right? <laughs> that's Yenchko. Tendency to say, what's the worst that could happen? And then sort of lock into that. It's very unhealthy, but it, it's a tendency that I learned probably in high school along the way. I don't know. And so I have had for all my years to combat being a catastrophic thinker, and the way that I do it is in the morning I meet the Lord and I go through like Psalm 5. I meet Him daily. I meet Him early. And I take my groans to Him. And I let him work in my heart as I preach the gospel to myself. I rise to meet glad company. Will you do that each morning? I push back all the voices of the day. Would you do that? There is so much pollution where you work. You know, people are swearing and cursing, taking the name of the Lord in vain. 
They're, they're threatening you. They're after you. They're making things hard at school for you. So you've got to push back the voices of the day and prepare your heart to go out. And that's point number two, very simply. Point number three is that you focus on the Lord intentionally, daily, early, early in qualification. Some of you will do it at your lunch hour. Some of you will do it maybe in the evening. But you should lock on to what you learned in the evening, the night before, first thing in the morning. Daily, early, and now intentionally. And the translation of verse 3, it's a difficult verse to translate from the Hebrew. Verse 3, it says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I will direct to you. That's literally what it says. The word my prayer is not there. But I think they translate it correctly because the first two verses he's talking about God hearing his voice and him meeting the Lord. But the emphasis, I think it was written this way, the emphasis here is, I will direct, is to display intentionality. I will direct myself. I preach the gospel to myself. I direct myself to you, O Lord. That's what we have to do. He's intentional in his own walk with Christ. And so I want to be very practical as a pastor to you right now. In your program is this goldenrod sheet. I'm not going to read this whole thing to you, but take this out. If you didn't get one, we've got to get one into your hands so you can follow along with me and you can fill in the blanks. Elias, if you would see if there are just any more of those over there. If you don't have one of these, because I, I really mean it, I would like you to take these home because you're having a summary of our entire summer series right here in this. Are, are they all gone? They're all, they're all gone. We ran out. Okay. Um, let me be very practical. And I just want to say <clears throat> to those of you whose devotional life is on fire, you know, you're saying, Pastor John, I learned this 20 years ago and I haven't missed a day. I salute you. I say, come disciple me. Okay? You sit back and just pray for the rest of us, all right? So if your devotional life is on fire, you sit back, you enjoy this, you pray for the rest of us. But if perhaps there are occasions when your devotional life gets cold or shallow, then would you just pay attention here and think about the practical ways that you can inflame your meeting with the Lord? I took this from... uh, Adrian Rogers, a great Baptist preacher who alliterates everything, so there's a thousand P's in this outline here, and he writes how to have a meaningful, quiet time. He says the first thing you need is the proper period, and he's talking about time period, the time that works for you, and we've already discussed that in points one and two. It should be daily. I think it should be early. If, if, if you have to wait till your lunch break to do it, well, that's fine as well but an intentional time. Why? Why? Because it's not easy to shape a habit. Habits are hard to form. Martin told us you need about 21 days in repetition for three weeks in order to form a habit. We are not legalists in this church. Can I make very clear? We believe in grace. Nobody gets into heaven because they had 
uh, uh, they checked off a whole bunch of quiet times before the Lord. Nobody gets into heaven that way. But I miss a day, and then I miss two days, and then I miss a week, and suddenly a month has gone by, and I haven't had time with the Lord. And so you must be intentional and find that period of the day that works for you to develop a habit. The second thing, he says, is that you need the proper preparation. And this, my friends, is the preparation of the heart. And stanzas 2 and 4 in Psalm 5 are a shocking contrast to, to, the, to the beautiful and gorgeous welcome that God has in your lives. But stanzas 2 and 4 says, For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before you. You abhor the bloodthirsty of the deceitful man. And then he, 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 he actually says down in the fourth stanza what Paul quotes in the great third chapter of Romans as he describes the depravity of the human heart, David's heart as well. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. Oh, my. Suddenly, he is cognizant of the holiness of God. And who... Who among us can waltz into the holy throne room of God who is pure and spotless? Who can waltz into the throne room of God who is without sin and who will destroy wickedness? Who can do it? David says the answer to this down in verse 7. Look at verse 7. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. How does he enter? On his own? We spoke last week from Galatians 2.20 about Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. Where did he love me and give himself for me? Where is the evidence of that? It's the cross. And suddenly... I understand I have access into the house of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask, have you come to the place in your life where you've come to understand that a sinner like me and a sinner like you actually may enter into the, the very room of the holy, holy, holy God? Why? Because of His abundant love shown in the cross. His abundant love takes you into His house, the cross. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who has acknowledged their need of a Savior and has come because of the love of Jesus Christ for them. That's what David is doing here. David is preaching the gospel to himself. In verse 7, that's what I told you in the last point. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. We want to be a church not with one preacher, we want to be a church of a hundred, hundreds of preachers where you preach the gospel to yourself. Are you with me on that? You are the preacher to preach the gospel, but I, by your steadfast love, the cross of Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me, will enter into your house. 
Where is it? Well, we've already said this proper place. It's the house of God. Or later, he says the temple of God, and this is really interesting. So where is this place? Do you have to come here on South Street in Oyster Bay to come into the house of God? Well, where was it for David? For David, it was Jerusalem. There was a piece of dirt there in the Middle East at one time for a period in the history of redemption where the tabernacle dwelt. But that time is past. For Jesus is the true temple. Jesus is the fulfillment of the tabernacle and the temple. And now Jesus has taken up residence in you. And so the strange reality is that wherever you are, you are in the place. <laughs> you have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And wherever you are, you come into the house of God. Yeah, but, but John, you were just telling me about all those voices, all those voices. And there are a lot of voices. That's why Jesus says, get off to a quiet place, right? Get off to a quiet place. And then the proper provision, he says in verse 8, lead me, Lord. And this, all I'm saying about this provision is you need your Bible. You do need a Bible. I hope that you've memorized a lot of Scripture. Let's be a church where we memorize a lot of Scripture so you always have it with you. And people say, Pastor John, I, I, I have my Bible on my smartphone. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I think it kind of goes both ways. It sure is convenient. But there is something beautiful about having your book, your book, your Bible, and you underline those words, and you jot down in the margin next to when Psalm 5, you put August 16th, 2015, uh, you studied Psalm 5, you see. And so I, 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 I love, I'm old-fashioned, I suppose. Have your Bible on your phone and in your hand. Some people use guided devotionals, right? We give out the daily bread, Table Talk by R.C. Sproul, Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, Rick Warren's Daily uh, Email Blast. I send out a SOAP every day. SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. If you'd like to be on that list, you can get that. And I listen to music, and I sing to the Lord. Why? Because I told you last week... <laughs> If you were to look at my office, that I have a window on my door, and to watch me having my devotions, you'd think this is a guy who talks to himself. Because I'm, what does it, the word meditate, it means mutter. It means mutter, and I mutter. I talk to myself. Lord, it says he loved me and gave himself for me. What does it mean that you gave yourself for me? The cross, and I talk to myself about the cross, and I talk to him about it. You see, it's, a quiet time doesn't have to be quiet. Because then we sing, and we sing along as though we were at Madison Square Garden, you know, with Chris Tomlin, singing at the top of our lungs. And then the proper procedure. What is that procedure on the back side of your handout? The proper procedure. This is the meat. Martin and I have been hammering this home all summer. We begin with the Bible. And you will see on this list here, you will see how to meditate with the Bible. We use the acronym PRAISE around here. Do you see it? This is what's going on in the refrigerator. PRAISE. P-R-A-I-S-E. 
stands for pray, ask God. R stands for read, read the text carefully. A stands for ask, ask questions about the text. And I, interpret it in a Christ-centered way. S, summarize the applications. E, engage with God in prayer. Don't anybody here ever say, they didn't teach me how to read the Bible. This is the outline that you can use. Pray, read, ask, interpret, summarize, engage, and then pray. And what are the targets of prayer here? Look at the targets. Right from the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us. Target God's honor. Target God's kingdom. Target God's provision. Target God's forgiveness. Target God's power. Someone came to my office this week and said, I've been using those prayer targets. It has changed my life. Now, what pastor isn't going to smile when he hears that? I learned how to pray this week, she said. What are the benefits of doing this? Let me conclude. What are the benefits of doing this? The first is relief from what the psychologists call your negativity bias. That's what I talked about earlier, right? You wake up with your scanner. It's going back and forth till you lock on to something negative. And this is how you get relief. David starts groaning, but by the end, he's exulting with joy in God. That's a pretty good deal. Peace. Peace comes to your heart from the Prince of Peace because he has covered you with a shield. Joy as you exult in God, cleansing from the pollution surrounding you. My sister, Susan, was a public school teacher for a number of years, and she said, I don't want to insult anyone with this, she said the teacher's lounge at the local high school polluted her soul more than anything else in her life. The filthy language, the kind of discussions, She said, I just felt like I was sort of covered with slime every day when I came home from school. And she said, I needed to learn how to cleanse my heart. Cleansing from the pollution surrounding you. Safety and favor for God's covering. Oh, my friends, these are the gifts. Safety and favor are yours. So... What are you going to say when your eyes open tomorrow? Some of you may begin and say, Good Lord, morning. But what follows? Good morning, Lord. Rise and greet Him. Center. Focus on Him. Let's pray. Our Father, we sang the song earlier, In the morning when I rise... Give me Jesus. What a great song that was for us. Great song. We pray, O Lord, that you would teach us how to center ourselves, to cleanse us. And we confess, some of us have have not been seeking you in the morning. So we pray that, well, yes, Lord, we know you will forgive us, but we pray that we would love 
and rise to greet such good company, we would be happy to meet with you 